Welcome back to another episode of Chad and Steve Have a Podcast. Chad, I'm excited about this. We have one of my favorite guests, Jill Barrett. I know last time we had a, just a ton of fun talking to her about, what do you call it, murder armor? Murder dresses. Murder dresses. I don't know why I said We do talk armor. about armor quite a lot too. One of your recent videos was about The Princess. Mm -hmm. This is a new movie that's on Hulu and I just watched it after watching your video about The Princess. And so this is a, uh, I, I would say very loosely a reimagining <laughs> of a historical. So this is about this, this girl who's like, I don't know, 18 or something. I, I suppose she's supposed to be, but you know, so she's like, eh, I don't want to marry. I don't want to get married to this evil prince or whoever the guy is. And, and so she just goes on this murderous rampage through the castle, you know, so one of these kick-ass girl films. And so I, I coined a phrase while I saw this, because I think what's happening is this new genre is developing. And in the past, I'm a real fan of like 70s and 80s exploitation films. You had like, like nunsploitation and you have all these weird subgenres. But I think what this is, is this is like girl power exploitation is this new thing that's emerging that is these really small girls who are just totally kicking ass. And I, for one, think that this is the coolest thing <laughs> ever because it's so ridiculous. And I think that the enjoyment of these movies is directly related to just how totally absurd they are. That if they if they start to take themselves seriously, then I start to look at and go, wait, that wouldn't happen. Oh, that's not possible. But when I see her like scaling the side of a castle and falling, you know, 3,000 feet or <laughs> whatever, just like getting back up. I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this. This is basically, it's another one came out last year was called Shadow in the Clouds, which was like a World War II kind of thing where this, this girl gets in this airplane and just starts fighting and eventually she ends up fighting this monster on the plane. And anyways, I just thought I would throw that in there because I thought that the movie was a lot of fun <laughs> and I know it's probably getting a lot of heat. It is, it's very fun. It's uh, it's basically either you can, you can come at it from the angle, like they saw that scene in Shrek with Princess Fiona and made it into a movie or uh it's it's very much in the genre of lots of people were like oh it's just like watching john wick three or the raid yeah. and i'm like i haven't seen either of those things and now kind of less inclined to watch them i mean the princess was fun <laughs> once but it's all it is it's, uh man. you know it's there's no story no it's like it was fun <laughs> for what it was it was basically it it knows it though so that's kind of that's kind of what what makes it better. It's sort of like we know that we we literally gave all of the other characters names. You know, we gave her little sister a name, we gave the villain a name, we gave her best friend and her mentor a name. She doesn't have a name, but that's okay because she doesn't she's have you. a name. An adventurer is yeah. you. Um, the thing that broke immersion for me though was the she's hanging from a windowsill by one hand. Um, right. Uh, with the sword in yeah. the other hand and she keeps like pulling herself up to try and see if the guy has the the, the comic relief guy has left yet so i'm d i'm currently shooting a video which is going to take as many months as it takes in which basically i try and learn to do a pull-up because i've never been able to do one and wow. i've always wanted to 
Um, and I have like, I have plasters on my hands where I have ripped the calluses off my hands. And after three weeks, I now don't just fall off the bar when I try and do an overhand negative. Like I could always do chin up grip and come down yeah. reasonably slowly. But every time I tried to do it overhand, I would just like drop. And I've now stopped just dropping. And I'm like, hmm, yeah. Mind you, she is much smaller than me, so there is uh, that. <laughs> how long before you're dangling from a windowsill with one arm and a sword in the other arm and pulling yourself up just with one arm? That is an excellent question. Probably quite a long time because I was like, I tried to hold on to the, the bar with one hand and just fell off. And I was like, nope, not there yet. <laughs> when you were here last, it was December of 2021. Yeah. And in in like today's world that seems like a hundred years ago especially on youtube um so tell us today what's your relationship with your youtube channel right now uh it's pretty good actually i have been moderately radically rethinking the things that i do and how much time i spend doing them but february and march was really interesting um, in the YouTube sense and in the, the sort of world event sense was absolutely horrifying but like in the YouTube sense it was quite interesting so I was like I'm just gonna think about that let's yeah um, because obviously everybody started everybody stopped watching videos which were sort of entertaining and started watching videos about what to do if there's a nuclear war <laughs> um, so the things like the things that would come up on my I've turned off my watch history, so YouTube doesn't know what I doesn't remember what I've watched. It only knows what's on my playlists and what I've liked, uh, which gets you some weird, which means it goes some weird <laughs> places. But there was lots of here's what current news is, and also here's what to do to survive a nuclear attack for a few weeks, and I was like, well, that's there's the public mood for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, YouTube was also doing like. Uh, dead accounts and robots purge and so i was watching like subscriber count go up a little bit down a little bit up a little bit down a bit up down up down up down and that went on for several weeks until they like sorted that out and a lot of youtubers i know didn't know that that was happening they were like yeah everything's really kind of stalled out i'm like no it hasn't they're just they're they're purging your dead accounts but your channel is still growing so it just looks like nothing is happening and isn't it weird how creators judge the success of their channel by the speed at which it's growing as opposed to it just not growing at all it's like it's not growing as fast as it used to and i just pulled up your your social mm. your social blade stats and it looks like you're actually you're in a bit of an uptick currently do you think that that's because of you've had some success with your short form content your shorts kid it's all it's basically all shorts driving that yeah is that frustrating uh are, it's, are you in the headspace where you still want to do full length videos or um i kind of do both so i have uh, i'm in the the sort of headspace where it's it's fine if you want to, if you want to have the number go up you make shorts uh and they will make you they will get a million views and earn you 27 dollars don't won't yeah. pay you nothing <laughs> Yeah, like last month at YouTube was like, hey, you've got a bonus from the shorts fund. That's £112. Like, <laughs> thanks. Um, don't spend it all in one place. Yeah, don't, don't spend yeah. it all in one shop. I'm like, that's that's great. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. But 
Yeah. Uh, I had two shorts sort of go over a million views and then one that got half a million in the last kind of month, uh, which has meant that my my demographics have been really weird for the month because it doesn't separate out who's watching shorts versus who's watching the long videos. And so it's suddenly like, wow, um, you, you have majority, you know, female viewership again uh, for a, a short time. It's like, yeah, that's the shorts. That's that's definitely the shorts. <laughs> um, whereas normally it's like slightly skewed towards men, but you know, you get, it's, it's uh, like 70, 30, 60, 40, something like that, depending on what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's like, welcome to shorts. Lots of women watch them. You make $27, but they're so much fun. And they make the little number go up. So every time you sign into the dashboard, the number go has gone up. So it's like, The number oh, goes yeah. up. And that's what it is. It's And Chad, you and I last week, remember I mentioned Matthias Wandel had that experiment that he did. He accidentally posted what he thought was a short, but it was like a second too long. So it didn't show up in the shorts feed. It showed up as a regular video. And... He just yesterday posted a video about that and it was pretty stunning. That video, because he didn't want to take it down because it had already had views on it and he didn't want to you know, mess with the algorithm. Usually if you take a video down, YouTube's like, what are you doing? I ain't going to show any more of this kind of thing. <laughs> Don't think you're so uploading that again. He made like $1,400 off of that video because it was accidentally a regular video. It was still short video, but it wasn't a short. And so it just kind of begs the question of why do we want to post shorts other than for this TikTok thing where you're just scrolling and you're getting, you like you said, numbers. You're getting the numbers, except like the most important number, <laughs> which is dollars or, or pounds. Yep. Well, one kind of leads to the other. Do you find that your shorts content gets people just interested? I mean, your subscriber growth is really good from it. Um, do you do you do you find it's worth it to find a mix between producing the content which gets this exploration and then balancing it out with the content which you think your channel is defined by? Yeah, I think when it comes to shorts, I because they they don't make any money. I'm basically like, if I have a really good idea, so the one which was uh, the generic fantasy heroine, uh, which has something like half a million views, I thought of that at like 4.30 in the morning. Like I woke up and went, ah, it's too early to get up. And then I just had this idea and I went, yeah, that'll do pretty well. And then I went back to sleep and then I got <laughs> up and made it and posted it the same day. Uh, so, it's, uh, but when it comes to sort of sustainable, basically I only make shorts for fun because I know they don't make any money. So I'm like, I enjoy this and think other people might. It can be a short because they're so like Pringles easy to make. And so you, it's it's easy to, to make a few of them in a row. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm like, no, you should probably focus on like the longer videos because more people see them. And also you do need to keep the lights on. But it doesn't sound like you're like, you're not bitter towards shorts. It doesn't sound like you're being forced into do it. It actually sounds like you're, you enjoy it because it actually provides the, some of the creative freedom that I'm sure you probably remember from when you first started your channel and you stopped making videos for the people who are watching it and you were just making videos because that's what you wanted. Is, is that same vibe with shorts? Yeah, basically. Like this is, that's also how I use TikTok because TikTok is an insane place full of insane things which I don't really understand at all. And it's uh, it's it's completely weird. And so I'm just like, I'm just gonna 
you know, I can put anything on here that I want to. It doesn't have to be in any way sort of related to the like the branding of my YouTube channel. I, I put a, a TikTok on there, which was like, this is what my new kitchen looks like because you wanted to know because <laughs> <laughs> I made a video in the middle right. of my kitchen remodeling and everyone was like, what does it look like when it finished? And I was like, well, they then had to go away for four months because there was a supply chain problem. So they couldn't actually finish it until four months later. And then, yeah, but here's what it looks like. <laughs> When did you start your TikTok? Oh, uh, I think I opened it sometime near the end, oh, maybe 2021. I feel like I started doing things on it in like May of 2021 because I, I resisted it for quite a long time because I was like, I don't know about this. Hmm. I think I was about the same time. And did you find an initial huge spike in views and followers when, when you started posting and then it leveled off or are you seeing constant growth uh, with that? So when I started posting, I didn't really understand the platform at all. I still kind of don't, to be fair, but uh, I didn't <laughs> get anybody... much. I got a little bit and then I made one thing, which was the, uh, I accidentally found the perfect murder dress. And then I made a little like series of sort of story snippets. Um, People to this day, I still get comments going, when are you going to continue this? I'm like, I I wrote myself into a literal corner. I have no idea what happens to her after this. So like maybe in five years when I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go, oh, that's what happens. Um, but yeah, then there was this massive spike and I was, I basically went from like two or 3,000 followers to under over 100,000 uh, in the space of a month or something like that. And then it's kind of leveled off because I'm like, it doesn't really make very much money and I don't you know short form is fine but I'm not really that into it and also TikTok will just I feel like TikTok does the slot machine thing for the creators as well as for the consumers so when you're consuming it 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 you know it uses its algorithm and it's like what would you like what are you watching what you know we throw in the advert ones we throw in the ones that are kind of out there but you have seen something similar so maybe you'll like this but I feel like it just randomly picks up videos and pushes them out to a lot of people like to test whether or not they're good and so people get very you just keep saying people who are really depressed on TikTok because they they had this <laughs> one video which went to the moon and then they make similar content and yeah. TikTok's like yeah that's that's nice you want to pay it's for some like ads? a heroin addict. Yeah. You're constantly yeah. chasing the dragon. You're constantly chasing that first time that you like. Melissa has spent so much time trying to learn um, uh, TikTok and just like short form content. And the this is the first time in the 12 years that we've been doing this that we're trying to do something that we just really don't like. I don't like consuming TikTok. Like I find myself like putting my phone down aggressively and being like, stop. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it, TikTok. Because you're like, so, well, and you're like, okay, well, this is dumb. Oh, okay, so they'll get me on the short shelf with like something that I'm interested in and I'll watch one and then I, whatever. I, I realize within three, I'm like, whoa. And you can see how good the algorithm is as you're pointing out at like knowing exactly what you want. But uh, the interesting thing was this was the first thing that Melissa like spent so much time working on and she really doesn't like it. She really like, the, it seems like there's a lot of creators out there trying to do this because it seems like it's the thing that we should be doing. But it's like, there's so many people doing it with animosity and there's bitterness towards it. And then what Steve went through, which is they'll do, uh, they'll do what they need to do to get a few videos kind of popping and they'll get you a bunch of followers. But it's very hard to define what you're, 
TikTok audience is, and you might have some interesting insight into this. Do you find that the people who are following you on TikTok are people who know Jill from other places? So this is just another platform they're following on, or have you discovered a new audience on this platform specifically? Uh, a little of both. The, the initial followers I got were because I said on my YouTube channel, I've got a TikTok now. Don't know if I'm going to do anything with it, but if you have it, if you do the TikTok, then you can follow me or whatever. Uh, but no, my TikTok audience is very young and very female um, because of the nature of the stuff that's on there. You know, like there aren't really long in-depth reviews of sword fights, for example. Uh, and so it tends... Also, I think TikTok is younger and more female in general. But definitely younger. Uh, I feel kind of old on TikTok. Sort of like, at some point they're going to work out that I'm 36 and have a child. But uh... <laughs> be asked to leave the platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Not even really. the platform. Just like leave the the, the cool kids table uh, or whatever it is. Like <laughs> no, you can't you can't post pictures of you can't post pictures of interesting things. You are leave goodbye. Um, but no, it's a, it's a different audience. But they don't. I don't think it it necessarily translates. I saw the saddest video, which was like a. a, a lady with you know several million tiktok followers or it was at least a million or possibly two and she went to vidcon and she had a meet and greet and there was nobody there like oh i saw like, that that was so oh. sad and she'd made them bracelets and, you could tell and everything that it was... and it's like oh that is that is painful and she was Ouch. playing with them in her hands. She was like toying with, and she just had this nerve. And and you could see that the the event was open because there was lineups in front of everybody else, and it's just this long empty aisle in front of this poor girl. Anyways, yes, I remember. Oh that. man, well VidCon has never been about much other than YouTube, really. So it kind of surprises me that, that somebody from TikTok would expect. Well, TikTok has been has sponsored it for the last few years uh, as a, like a oh, major partner instead haven't of been YouTube. There in like three. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, someone asked me if I was going to VidCon this year, and I was like, "Nah." If they if they have another VidCon London ever, you know, I might go to that maybe. But I'm not, I'm I went once in like 2015, and that was pretty nice. But uh, I'm not going to cross an entire ocean just to go to VidCon. Like it's eh. a zoo. It's crazy. I haven't been since 20, probably. 18 maybe 17 17 or 18 and there's the last time i went there i just thought i'm not getting anything out of this it's just such a, a crazy zoo and it's like it, it, the average age there is like 15 i think yeah. <laughs> you know i mean it's a bunch of screaming kids it's like the best smelling convention i've ever attended though because i've been to a lot of like nerd conventions and because everyone tends so young and female everyone's really scrupulous about their personal hygiene so like <laughs> Um, you know, I've been to places and it gets kind of sweaty after day two, but at VidCon, uh -huh. everyone smells nice. So, you know, how's that going for it? <laughs> Comic-Con is a, that's a different, that's a different piece altogether. What's well, like sweat nice. combined with Axe body spray or something. It's like, that'll do. I don't need a shower. <laughs> I can't have a shower. I'm, I'm sharing a room with 10 people and there's only one, you know, like, um, Okay. <laughs> You know what was funny is when you mentioned that you turned off your watch history on YouTube. And so this is something I do when I'm searching for something that I just need a specific answer to. If I need to 
you know, repair a dishwasher or something. I'll do it in incognito mode <laughs> so that I can just get the answer I want. And then I don't get in that algorithm because there was, you'll get caught in a loop of all this stuff that you don't want to see anymore. Ryan George had a really funny video about it where he was like, I just want to figure out why I have this squeaky hinge. And so he, he found it on YouTube. Oh, okay, fixed it. And now all of a sudden he starts getting all these recommendations from, you know, hinge content creators. <laughs> <laughs> Hinge like, I don't need hacks, any more, yeah. don't need any more door hinge content. <laughs> I remember we had this conversation on the podcast when we first started talking about shorts. And I said that the first short or the first couple of shorts that I watched were some golf tips because it just ha so happened to be like right at the beginning of the golf season when I started watching shorts. And I accidentally watched, I think, three in a row. I, that was the biggest mistake was watching, right? Mm three golf videos in a row and to this day steve can probably attest yeah. to this because i complain about it on a regular basis if i were to open up and that's actually what led me to do the same thing i turned off the search history on uh youtube and i turned off the i have a google pixel phone and one of the screens is the news screen and it does oh, the right. exact same thing i'll go and search for a flight to hawaii and then for <laughs> four weeks everything to do with hawaii how, how Hawaii? Oh, yeah. are you interested in seeing what's happening and i i just i i, I get i i get that um at this point you're just under four hundred thousand subscribers do you feel like you have do you feel like you have a grasp on what you want the channel to be doing for the next six months or one year or are you kind of in a space where you just kind of fill the bucket each week Basically, at the moment, I have a lot of more long-term things. So I'm the the reason that I'm I was sewing today, uh, was that and my cat was getting in the way. Was that I was I, I'm filming a, a collaboration with Zach Evans, who is a guy uh, with a couple of thousand YouTube subscribers, who made a video after I made a video about The Witcher, and he was like, "You were you were saying so that Calanthe's armor looks really weird." Uh, I'm a historical dude here's why i think that is and here's and i was like that's great uh, and also he has access to like jousting horses so Whoa. <laughs> i was like hey you huh. horse dude <laughs> want to do something <laughs> <laughs> i might have been a little bit more tactful than that but uh we're, we're you know we're gonna do like a, a cosplay thing and an armor thing and he's gonna make a video about it and so am i so that's uh, a longer term project because it has the the making of the stuff bit and then also the the going to the place with the horses bit um and then also the pull-ups thing because that's going to take months um at the very least so that's going to be fun um and then i have a couple of other things which are for closer to then but like i, I know what i'm doing for the next like three months uh and then i'm just going to wing it really but I think this is, I've had a couple of people tell me that you're at the, the like, the nice size. Like, this is the good size to be because you, you're making enough money that you can, you know, keep your lights on. And so that's great. You have enough, you have spare money so you can make things which are a little bit more ambitious. But you're not at the size where everyone suddenly turns into an insane person. <laughs> or you need a massive team to do a whole bunch of stuff yeah. and, and you like it is it's a it's a scale it's a scale issue and your your channel is unique i mean i don't think there's anybody else 
doing stage combat is there no that's that's true and it's um it's really unusual i I once had someone like uh sort of flounce from the channel uh with the immortal phrase guess i'll just have to go and watch some other stage combat youtubers and i was like (laughs) (laughs) genuinely my friend i wish you good luck with that because drop a link yeah no like drop a link and i will go watch them too because you know uh, like you have corridor crew who do you know stunt focused stuff which also has fight stuff and they're obviously like massively popular but there's you know there's a whole team of them uh and but like actors tend to make stuff about acting not so much about fighting i guess and then I don't know. I have I have found a, a weird little niche, and I'm I'm sort of bedding in here as much as possible. But then I I say that, but I keep I keep sort of pivoting. Like I I still do the fight analysis, but I also do this other stuff. And then the armor reviews just turned out to be massively popular. You have all of these people. <laughs> there was a comment on my latest video, which um. I would like to say I, I was really quite proud of the title because sexy schoolgirl scale mail and other armor reviews is just like, I'm like, I would click on that. And therefore, it's excellent. Um, but the, 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 the commenter was like, you, you, you're not a historian. You're not a HEMA person. And yet, I really want to know what you think about all of these these kinds of armor. And it's weird, but I love it. And then... Like apparently other people felt had this sentiment also and then somebody else was like it's weird how people condescend to you like that isn't it isn't it nice golly gee you're not a historian but you, you know you're just so gosh darn interesting anyway thank you for your perspective um <laughs> and i'm like if if you can if you if you go looking for condescension you will find it please you might want to consider not starting a youtube channel because <laughs> everyone has opinions on your work and if you don't if you don't learn to just go that's nice and that is your opinion and maybe it's a positive opinion or a negative opinion or a neutral opinion but that's that's great that's your opinion super yeah uh you will quickly just lose it um and then you get get people who you know they they get really big channels and then they're crushed under the weight of their comments I'm like, yeah. guys, you don't... I mean, I read basically all of mine, but you don't have to read them. It's not yeah, not required. Also, you don't... You know, if you have 2 million subscribers on YouTube, you don't have to be on Twitter. Please don't be on Twitter. It's not good for you <laughs> to have people <laughs> constantly judging you. <laughs> yeah. There's this constant feeling that, like, you, you get into a space where you're doing something and it just becomes so alluring to be like oh i i also should be doing i I don't even think it's alluring like you you almost get addicted to like i you feel like you're not you're not on these other platforms you're not oh you gotta be everywhere right so it's right and it, it literally seems to take 10 people to be like you should be on twitter for people to be like yeah well everybody's telling me i should be on twitter so now i'm on twitter as well and now i'm on instagram as well and it almost kind of takes away from um uh, uh from what kind of got you there in the first place so a follow-up question to that would be do you feel like 
niching down or like settling into that niche or are you looking to broaden it a little bit or a better so you don't get just locked because we are in a place right now where every youtube guru will tell you to niche down as 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 much as possible find the most detailed specific audience and fill that need but quite like all advice on youtube Next they don't year, know what they're it'll talking be, about. <laughs> it'll be completely <laughs> different. And now you'll have all these. Uh, and I, I find it comes down to like people who like pay attention to what everybody else thinks that they should do with their channel. And then when you actually speak to the creator, it's really interesting when you like flush away all of those other expectations and just ask the creator, do you think you are looking at your channel to continue through this niche? Or are you looking to like build off of that so you can broaden it and you can just be Jill and people are more so attracted to what Jill's input is on a varying degree of subjects as opposed to I just go here when I want to learn about stage fighting or sword play or whatever that looks like. So I think the the niche advice is the advice that I was given and it is really really good advice for a specific period of time. Like if you to to grow a channel quickly and to grow a channel to sustainability having a niche is the most consistent way to be able to do that because you have you know you have an audience you can grow the audience people know what they're coming for and they will a certain number of people will come back and if you can get enough people to do that then you can grow to a level of sustainability where it gets difficult is once you get there and very few people do but once you do then you have to you have to branch out um if only if only for your own sanity really but just to keep it fresh and interesting you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over because your audience will also get bored of it and some of your audience will go away and if you are getting bored of it they'll be able to tell and so you won't get anybody new and then everything will everything will stagnate uh, so i think Find a niche is really, really good advice for getting you to a point where your channel is a reasonable size. And then when you start branching out, which I think is a good idea, if only so that you aren't creatively bankrupt within two years, um, it's good to do it in ways that kind of make sense. That even if they're not directly related, you're sort of, you know, uh, stage fighting doesn't really have much to do with armor reviews, but because I, you know, I look at things from an actor's perspective, I'm like, yeah, but how how can you actually move in that? How do you put that together? How do you get that off? How do you go to the toilet? You know, all this, hmm. it, like, how do you do quick changes if you have to wear this, you know, in act two, but not in act three? Um, and so because of that, um, that turned out to be really popular. And it, it was like, oh, I also like doing this. And then, yeah, that's like niching down is great, but eventually you're going to have to branch out because if you've built a, a, an audience, they will largely come with you because at that point you have built up the credibility that means that they want to know what you have to say on this other thing. And you have to be careful about how you approach that and you're not you know, completely pivoting or going crazy, you know, otherwise you get a lot of people who are like, hey, I just came here for the, the door hinge content, you know, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need to know about how you're building a house or something. So I think it's a gradual kind of, if it's similar to this, then this thing has got to be similar. And then from there, we can slowly move on. Yeah, like if you're going to do a significant pivot, then 
you don't necessarily need to announce it, but you do have to know that you will lose, you know, a, a large chunk of your subscribers will then stop being recommended your videos because YouTube knows that they're not actually interested in that kind of content. So it's like you, you can do drastic, you know, you can do more drastic pivots, but it's, you know, that's more risky. I discovered a YouTuber during the quarantine lockdown period of 2020 and he quickly became just absolutely one of my favorite YouTubers, Zimri Mayfield. He was a graphic designer and it was the greatest concept. He would have people send him his logos. He would rework them. He'd say, hey guys, which is better, this or this? And do you like my version? Do you like their version? He took advantage of the, the polls they used to have in YouTube on videos. You could do polls in the, in the cards. And it was just such a cool thing to watch him design things. And he was such an engaging personality. And then suddenly he stopped and started flipping houses. <laughs> it was like, what? This was just, he like, I'm moving to Arizona and I'm going to remodel a house. And it was just so bizarre. And he still, and he, he'll acknowledge it now. And people will ask him, why aren't you going to be doing your graphic design? Yeah, I may get back to it, but I just got tired of it. It's like, wow, that is a pretty big move. <laughs> but I don't watch the, the new content. Like, I feel like that's, I feel like that's healthy. It's, it's a, uh, you know, obviously if you don't like the new content and you don't watch it and that's fine, but that's probably better for him as a person to be like, yeah. I, I'm really interested in this thing. Let me share with you this thing that I'm really interested in rather than trying to continue to make content for an audience that he's not really, you know, the content that he's not really wild about for this existing audience. You're living a lie. Especially, I guess, if you're flipping houses, you're hoping that you're going to make profit on that. So YouTube can be more of a <laughs> side so, gig yeah. anyway. <laughs> hey, do you do you know a channel called Nerdforge? They're a Norwegian couple. Yes. And they do it. They do some really cool stuff. They made it recently made armor for their dog. And it was, it was I love just it. the coolest thing. But they, they make uh, a lot of these kind of things, and it's really cool. Anyways, I just thought I'd mention that. I had them on my kind of maker podcast uh, last couple weeks ago, and it was just so much fun to, to talk to them and, and to see that dog wearing armor. <laughs> I love it. I've been uh, doing, like, the rounds of the, the YouTube search for because I, I'm going to be using EVA foam for this project. And last time... I accidentally, I tried to make something else out of EVA foam, but I didn't buy EVA foam. I bought foam board, which is not the same thing at all. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so I tried to put a heat gun on it and it just like, well, it did the thing that, that happened. It just like shriveled up into something hideous. And I went, I'm doing something wrong, but I don't know what it is. So having figured <laughs> out what I did wrong, uh, I've now been like searching, how do you do whatever with EVA foam and watching a bunch of those tutorials. Uh, but because my watch history has turned off, I'm not also getting <laughs> all of that other stuff. Mostly what I get because I've turned off watch history is like things that everybody likes and my subscriptions. And so I'm like, okay, that's, you know, if I want to find something on YouTube that I want to watch, I can find something on YouTube that I want to watch. I, I don't, I don't necessarily need YouTube to tell me what, what's good. The other thing I've discovered is that Instagram also has their own algorithm. Are you on Instagram mm -mm, also? No. You do. I think at one point I had an, I, I'm sure I had an Instagram account like pre-YouTube, but I don't remember 
the login or the password or anything. <laughs> it's just sitting there. People are trying to connect. <laughs> Where are you, you got Jill? all these followers over there now. Yeah. No, I, it's, but they, they, they feed you. It, it seems like whenever I go there now, it's becoming TikTok, I guess, mm. is what it is. Because it's like, I feel like there's more people I don't know who are showing up in my feed than there are people who I actually follow. It's become a strange thing. And I guess you can say I'm not interested or whatever on each, but that just eliminates one out of a billion others that they're going to feed you. So it's kind of pointless. I don't know. I used to love Instagram because it was the photo platform and the photographer <laughs> yeah. in me was like, this is fantastic. They all it yeah. really is about is just sharing photos or videos. And now it's just uh, the vast majority of the, the accounts I follow all just do 100% oh, reels. It's, it's completely switched over to a video platform. Yeah. By the way, good for you for quitting Twitter. I quit Twitter like five years, five or six years ago now. Haven't missed it. Have not missed Twitter. Sometimes people ask me about that. I'm like, no, nah, don't need that in my life. I just don't. It was just too much. I mean, I basically stopped using it for like five years, maybe five years ago, I stopped using it so much. And then four years ago, I stopped stopped using it most of the time and then i was like when i hit a hundred thousand subscribers that's my present to myself that and a sword i'm getting a sword and i'm quitting twitter uh highly recommend both of these things um and uh yeah it's it's great because i mean i left the account there because but yeah just can't be bothered but you know i feel like and i quit twitter and it wasn't because i, I I was experiencing like high levels of hate towards me or anything like that. It was just like this overall feeling I got when I was on Twitter that this the things that were coming through my feed, no matter what it was, I would look through the, the replies and everything and it would just be anger and just this constant, people have to find a way to be bitter about everything on Twitter. And I thought, you know, I don't need this. I can do just fine without it. And boom cleared that out of my mind i was told that one of the things that they that the biden campaign said uh when they were asked you know uh how are you how are you approaching uh campaigning for the presidency and one of the people in the campaign was like well we're doing lots of this and lots of this and we're absolutely ignoring twitter <laughs> that's a very good call it's a very it's a very small yeah. a very small percentage of people are on twitter and an even smaller percentage use it uh regularly and so you get if you twitter is really good for getting the opinions of that group of people um right not really yeah. much else it's a big echo chamber mm. yeah one of the things that have been talked about and trending quite a bit on youtube are YouTubers who are experiencing burnout or exhaustion or overwhelm due to the just the the schedule involved in in trying to keep up with the YouTube game? Do you schedule yourself? Do you keep uh, you know defined times for work and defined times for you know other stuff, or are you quite like the majority of creators where it's just kind of all consuming? So it's this big soupy mess of work and life. Uh, it's more, more soupy, but I, uh, so I have chronic fatigue, which is, uh, I have fairly mild chronic fatigue, but it means basically that I just 
sleep more than everybody else by quite a significant margin. Like, um, I need to get at least uh, eight hours of sleep and I can function, nine hours of sleep and I'm good, ten hours of sleep and that, you know, that can include having a nap in the middle of the day and I'm, I'm you know, like, on the ball. So I... I read quite a lot of Cal Newport and stuff like that. Like, uh, uh, I've read a couple of his books and I'm like, okay. The, the work of being a YouTuber does not have to take up all of your time. And in fact, you are worse at it the more time you spend on it. So how can we do the... How can we do the least amount of work to get the best results for this? Because... If you don't have enough, if I, I find if I don't have enough downtime for my brain to think about things, then everything becomes really, really difficult. So, uh, basically, I was I was looking in my emails, um, and I think I've sent. So in the last month, I've sent a couple of emails to you guys to arrange this podcast. Um, I've sent like two emails uh, to my church about church-related things. I've sent. Uh, three to my accountant because I just had to get one um, and like that's that's about it I'm like e- email has become a place where I'm just like no because we're like my friends te- if 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 you need me you you call me or you text me and I will come or whatever, though I have muted all group WhatsApp groups. Like, all WhatsApp groups, because nothing... <laughs> That's a big one. Nothing productive ever yeah. happens in those. Like, if you need me for something, you can WhatsApp me, and you individually will come up and say, hey, Jill, uh, you know, do you want to go for coffee, or have you seen this funny thing? But d- WhatsApp groups, I'm just like, I will check them once a week, make sure that nothing is on fire. Uh Yeah. <laughs> It's the worst when people are like, you didn't see the details in the WhatsApp. If it was important, it should have been a text or a phone call, not a random message in the WhatsApp where we exchange a whole bunch of like links and other things and it gets confusing anyway. Mm. So I hear you on the WhatsApp thing. Yeah. I have a total, like everything, anybody I want to contact in the real world is through text. I mean, that's pretty much just the way it's done. But I hear YouTubers who are saying, you got to build your channel. And so they hire somebody and they go, we'll take care of the important things like managing your email. And I think I don't get a lot of email. It's just like I can I can certainly manage my own email. But here's the funny thing about email that I was just noticing recently is that and I think it's because the, the Google email filters spam and it puts promotional stuff and everything in its own box. And so my inbox is like the only one that I get real messages for the most part. And I get so few of them that when I do get them, it's something I'm actually kind of looking forward to. So now I'll get a notification on my phone. And when I see that that logo for the Gmail, I kind of get this feeling like, oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> I really want to see that. It's not like getting a DM or some of these thousands of other things that might show up that I end up having to turn off notifications. I actually now kind of enjoy getting email because it's rare. I don't know. It's a strange thing. That's nice. Though. <laughs> I, I basically went, I, I basically decided that 
email is was taking up too much of my brain not even my time because i have deliberately made it really hard to contact me but just you know if you're in several conversations with several different people that and those sort of build up and you're just like ah i i just I'm like email doesn't make me feel good so i'm just not going to do as much of it and that has that's ironically has made it easier to do all of the other things it's like ah now i have more ideas for all the, this other stuff and i still like if i need to if there's something that people think i need to see then i will have 40 youtube comments about it and i'm still like relatively good at YouTube only shows you comments that are new as opposed to ones which are part of a thread but I'm relatively good at keeping up with the the new ones I at least kind of skim over them and so sort of like if I need to know something that's happening in the world you know that will let me know and the rest of the time just like it's it's really easy to get sucked into things which aren't really work and then you just find it's like no when you were when you worked full time, you still made a U- two YouTube videos a month, or you know sometimes only one YouTube video a month. But you didn't have anyone to help you edit then, and you didn't have anyone to help you do any of this other stuff, and you still did that while you worked thirty two hours a week, and then you had to come home and do all the you know the rest of the things. So clearly there are some efficiencies <laughs> that you can uh, you can think of here. So I have been I've been trying to do that. Do you take breaks? On what kind of timescale? Like literally taking a month off from producing content or just taking a three week period where it's like, I'm not going to worry about what the next video is, or I'm just going to take a mental health break. Um, I, I schedule some of them. So at the minute we're about to go on holiday, uh, for a week, which is going to be fun. And then I'm going on a. Uh, at the beginning of August, I'm going to Canterbury to go to a uh, a stage combat course, which is five days. And the thing about stage combat courses, which uh, is that they're completely all-consuming. You you can't think because you're <laughs> you spend eight hours a day like running around with a sword. You can't think about anything else. You're just done by the end of the day. So you can't you can't <laughs> vlog it at the same time, is what you're saying? Um, I. <laughs> I did a, a vlog of one and the reason I did the vlog was because I thought that I wasn't going to be examining for it. So I was like, oh, well, the pressure's off a little bit. And then it turned out I did examine for it. But I, yeah, they're, they're, you can vlog them, but it's, it's like this kind of extra effort that I realize, you know, it's like that, this is why people Added don't pressure. because you're like, oh, right. I'm quite tired. Like I'm having a really good time, <laughs> but I'm completely cream crackered here, you know? um but yeah i so i know thing i have like periods where i know that i'm not going to be working and then if i feel like i'm if i find myself feeling like bad about youtube things i'm like "Mm, maybe you just need to take a couple of days and not you know like go do something else um which is good but i've got better at that uh than i than i have been previously but it is also much easier to do that when you have like a fixed schedule and it's not the middle of covid so you know is there like a tier system for stage combat is there like a, a really high level goal that you aspire to so stage combat is 
a thing that is specifically for actors as opposed to stunt work, which is like the stunt work is like all of the, the sort of impressive stuff that people think of. But uh, stage combat is for people who want to be actors, but also do some of their own, do their own fighting, especially in theater. So the exams you can take go up to a level which is called either honors or specialization level. Um, and the idea is that, you know, you can gain qualifications at that level, which are like really special. The sort of standard, you're pretty good at this thing is being an actor combatant, which is to say that you have 10 qualifications at some level. So I am an actor combatant advanced, which is what most people aim for. They just like do, they do the minimum number for the first level, the minimum number for the intermediate level. And then they're like, okay, advanced sounds cool. Let's get our 10 qualifications for that. Um, Beyond that, you can learn to teach it, but that's that's like a whole different ball game because to be a, a a fight director and to teach stage combat, you, uh, according to like in like an official capacity, you have to have you know a black belt in martial arts and you have to be able to to fence to a particular level and coach fencing and uh, several other things. So I'm like that sounds great, but uh, not really there. Like the the gap between actor combatant and fight teacher or fight director is like pretty pretty mm. substantial um and also that there's not really a there's not really a point in doing that if you don't want to then be a fight director or a, a choreographer or something like that um so i'm like i'm i'm happy to to do the things which are you know adjacent to that but i have no particular ambitions to become a fight choreographer so what are some of those skills that you have to prove to achieve your actor combat certification uh in england all you have to do is pass 10 fight exams so that's 10 exams which are entirely performance based in 10 different weapons uh so the the ones that everyone tends to start with are unarmed, because that's the most common. Uh, single sword, so that's any kind of f like fencing style, um, and something else. So I, it, you can have knife or really specific and weird things that you almost never use, like knife and rope, uh, where you have to your your uh, combatants are tied together by a length of rope, and they both also have knives. Um, that's like Star then, Trek. Wasn't that in a Star Trek episode? <laughs> it probably was. It was also like an episode of Sharp where they have a... Hmm. He does a duel with some guy uh, and he doesn't together. die despite being Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> where they have... They're both holding on to a length of chain. Oh, right. Uh, and if you if you drop the chain, then you lose. But, you you know, so they, they use the chain as a part of the, the fight, which is pretty cool. Um, and then stuff like, you know, spears or quarterstaffs or... Uh, two rapiers or a longsword or we call it a broadsword it's technically an arming sword so it's you know Excalibur like one of those mm. one-handed medieval style uh, swords um, they're all they're basically all kinds of things that you can do so I think I have something like 15 or 16 different um, advanced level qualifications at this point because I just keep going back because it's fun they're like, oh, yeah, you again. So, so say, for example, you, you want to prove yourself in, in the broadsword or whatever. What what exactly would you have to 
show? Because if I had it, I would just like swing it around. Is there like specific target and something you have to do to show that proficiency? Yes. So there is a, a syllabus, but they don't tend to they don't tend to share it with the people who are learning it because they it's like you don't need to know. All you need to know is how to learn to do this choreography, which we right. have designed <laughs> for you. So an advanced level fight is 30 ish moves. It has to be a minimum of 30. Uh, and uh, you tend to also have to put a, a scene in there. So you have to pick from some kind of media. When you get to advanced, you can do whatever. When you're at standard level, at least one of the, the fights that you do has to have a scene in it from a published pre play pre-1950. Oh. So a lot of people choose Shakespeare because it's in the say, public yeah. domain. So, yeah. Uh, but when you get sort of up the levels, you can do whatever you like. So you can do, uh, you know, TV, uh, movies, plays, video games, just whatever. Uh, so... You go to a course, they will give you a set of choreography uh, and a partner. Uh, you'll learn it, you'll pick a scene, you'll work those two things together. And then after two days or three days or however long it is, uh, you can you get up on the stage or wherever it is that they're having the exam and you perform this in front of your teachers and the examiner and whoever else happens to be around. And the, the aim... Like the, the examiner will be watching for your technical proficiency, but the aim is to make them forget about your technical proficiency because they are so invested in the scene. Because the, the, the important thing with theatre is not do I buy this as a fight, it's do I buy this as, uh, do I buy this emotionally, mm. basically. Mm. Um, so you have to prove that you're you're safe, so you're not, you know, you don't hurt your partner, you don't you know, injure them or kill them. You don't uh, do things that they're not expecting, but uh, you know, you have safety and, and you have to hit, you know, aim at the right targets and stuff like that. You have to seem like you're in control uh, and you have to remember what the choreography is, but mostly you have to do those things while telling the story convincingly, whatever the story is. Do you have to know how to take a fall? Sometimes, yes. Uh, some fights have... Uh, things like falls or rolls in them, but not it, it's not like a fall from height. It's just, you know, That's what a, I mean. a dive out of the way kind like of one. Like somebody hits you and a you've got to be fall. able to fall back without injuring yourself, I would... Yes. Yeah, you do have to do that. Um, I, I, My most recent one, I also had to jump off a stage, uh, like onto the ground. We started on, on the floor of the theatre and then we fought along, up the steps, onto the stage. Then I jumped off the stage... Uh, and then we fought a bit more with my partner on the stage and me off the stage, and then I climbed back on the stage, and yeah, it was it was quite. <laughs> That's super cool. <laughs> it was a bit I mean, involved, really. Well, it so was very tiring. You must already be in just great shape. I have no doubt you're going to do those pull-ups. Thank you. I appreciate. That. I have. I appreciate the vote of confidence because right now I'm like, <laughs> ah, why is it so hard? Why? How heavy is like one of those big broadswords? Um. They are, well, it depends. So a one-handed sword uh, will be a maximum of 1.1 kilos. So oh, okay. uh, I I did a joke. Oh, man, this, this is one of those things you should never do on YouTube. I did a joke in the short uh, about the fantasy heroine where 
uh, the 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 author or the casting director, whoever, she says, "Can you handle a sword?" And the fantasy heroine's like, "Yes, what kind?" And the 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 author clearly doesn't know anything about swords. And it's like, you know, swords, pointy end goes, and the other guy uh, weighs about four and a half kilos. Uh-huh. I had ah. to put a pinned comment to explain that that was the joke, like. <laughs> If you have a sword that weighs 10 pounds, that is some kind of ornamental, like a a Zweihander or something, like a a great sword, something that is as tall as you, but also it's it's made to be fancy, it's not really made to be used. Um, I was like, yes, that is the joke. Welcome to the channel. (laughs) We have have swords and we make jokes sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But the... Even a, a longsword, which is sort of comes up to your armpit, that's that's only going to be a little over a kilo. So, you know, three pounds would be heavy for a longsword. Um, a a Zweihander is a little bit heavier than that, but, you know, like 1.5 to 2 kilos is a heavy sword because it's all, all, all the weight is, is very out from your body. So, like, right. yeah. It would be impossible to wield something that heavy, I presume. Basically, especially it's like it's got an edge. You don't you don't have to hit them that hard with it. You 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 need to have dexterity with it. It's not a massive club. Um, Did you see the Northman? I haven't, but oh, I, I have had several people tell me that I need to. Um, that there's a guy with giant trapezoid muscles. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically all I know about it. <laughs> yeah, well, so Robert Eggers who made it is like. His whole thing is complete authenticity. So he like researches his movies to get like every down to the last detail of the type of wood being used for the ships and everything and trying to be historically accurate. So I'd be really I'd be really curious to see your take on the fights and the weapons. It does sound good. Also, it's a movie. I get people asking me to review like TV series sometimes and I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I did Kenobi, though. I'm I, I just um I've just been working on editing that one and it turned into a monster because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is actually very good and kind of emotionally moving, but we need to draw an arc between episode three <laughs> and this series and what happened in Star Wars Rebels and then what happens in the, the original trilogy. I'm like, oh, right, okay. I need to go find some clips. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think people are just kind of obsessed with things with being realistic when they really shouldn't be. I, you see this a lot where somebody will be watching some sci-fi or something and they're like, oh, that's so fake. That would never happen. But it's like, well, in this context, isn't it more fun just to kind of go with it and just say, yeah, it's absurd, but it's fun. Mm. I think that the problem is that everybody has a different level of belief that they're you know disbelief that they're willing to suspend and what breaks immersion for one person won't do it for someone else so that that does mean that there will always be someone going that would never happen um and the the the, basically the difference is going to be do enough other people like the story enough to go yes it's a movie you should really (laughs) just relax Well, Jill, it was great having you back on our show again. We got to do this more often. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me.